Welcome to the Road Tripping PT Podcast. I'm Tyler, and along with my co-host and wife, Carrie, we are two traveling doctors of physical therapy. What started as an idea to document our travels and the interesting conversations we have with people across the country has turned into this podcast. Join us as we talk all things, including travel therapy, our adventures, and interview strangers turned friends throughout our travel assignments. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Married woman. I know. What can I say? Congratulations. Thanks. We miss you. (laughs) I know. I miss you guys too. You guys should come down. It's prime snowboarding season, you know. Are you going? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went Thursday and Sunday. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's pretty fun. Where are you guys going? Yeah. Big Bear. Nice. Yeah. I love the American flag back there. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> Why can't you just say hi? There's only one microphone. So wait, I'm gonna show you guys. Oh, this <gasps> oh look, Spencer. What hand dog is that? He's a Maltese and Corgi mix. Oh, what's his name? Loki. Hi, Loki. Loki. <laughs> yeah, he's very mischievous. Very fitting name. Is <laughs> what? He's mischievous. So ah, mm-hmm. perfect. <laughs> He's the one that goes on all the hikes with you. Oh yeah, yeah. One ball of energy. <laughs> How big is he? How much does he weigh? He's twenty three pounds. He's a oh, that's fat good size. Yeah, fat boy. yeah. And he's like not even that big, but he's just really heavy. Heavy <laughs> muscle. How old is he? Hmm? How old is he? He's gonna be three in February. Oh, we keep thinking about getting Spencer a a friend and we want something bigger than him that can you know yeah handle a few more miles but yeah just hey, Loki, I think the most I've done with him has been six miles it's pretty good and yeah he was tired we went backpacking once it was really fun he got super tired Aww. and it was really hot I made him I have this oh wait no what did I do okay okay now he has a, <laughs> a little backpack so I'm using Caesar's computer and he has all these fancy features that I don't know and I'm really <laughs> yeah Hold on. He, he went. He went backpack. in a backpack. Yeah. No. So I have a little backpacking pack for him. Oh. Uh, so he got kind of hot, so we oh. took it off and I took him in the river. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's a trooper. All right. I'll let you we'll get back to work because I only have. We're gonna try. We've been trying to get down to Southern California, but we'll make it there eventually. Do it. Yes. We'll, we'll let you know when we get there. Do you, do you guys scuba dive? I don't remember. Do you guys do we that? haven't. She. I don't know if Carrie will, but uh, I would love to learn because I do. I love snorkeling, but scuba diving is one I haven't done. So I got certified this last year, and we've been going to Catalina quite a bit. So if y'all so want awesome. to down for scuba season, which technically is now, but you can like snorkel any or scuba anytime in Catalina. It's just really nice in the winter because they have really good water conditions and like uh, visibility is like a hundred feet. So really nice. Yeah. So do you have all your own gear? Yeah. We bought our own gear. Um, we just don't have the tanks. We just rent the tanks, but they're like really cheap. It's like $10. So you have to, so like if I wanted to go scuba diving, don't do I have to get certified to do it. So you can do most resorts have it. Catalina has it. It's called, um, like discover scuba. So you pay it like $105, it's two hours, about one hour maybe is like, here's how not to die in the water, you know? And then the second hour is you go down with like a certified like master diver instructor and they go down with you to make sure you don't die. And then that's it. But you're not actually certified. 
Gotcha. But you can do that as many times as you want. You just won't actually get your certificate until you take the classes and you do your like diving courses so you can be autonomous. So you guys just grab a tank and go. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That's so cool. That's crazy. Yeah, Would you do that? I don't know. That's do drowns it. like my fear. Do yeah, but you don't want to drown. I would need drown. a lot of like support with me the well, first couple times. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I'd feel pretty safe. Yeah, no, it's so it's so fun. It's so fun. I was totally nervous at first because you practice in the pool. Uh You know, when you do your um, so different once you get out there. And then I was like, but now it's ocean and it's really deep and like it's just like a big pool. So if you get like good instructors and you go to a good place, they take you somewhere where it really is a big pool. Like the deepest is. 30 something feet. So it's really not that deep, you know, and then they can take you lower, but it's not like you're going to keep going down into like, right. really <laughs> so. just for example, when we were even on a lake on a paddleboard at first, she has on her life jacket. Nice. So I don't, <laughs> it would be interesting to see her underwater. Do it. It'll be so fun. It would take me a while to like get comfortable. The story I share, Tyra, is when we were paddleboarding and Spencer had a little life jacket on and he's always on my paddleboard. But for some reason, he was on carries and it was a little choppy. So he like fell in and I was like, jump and get him. And she like jumped in, but freaked out and like sunk him underwater and throws him onto the paddleboard. I'm like, what are you doing? She was like, it's me. That's awesome. Well, I feel like you're super fit, you know, like, oh, you just got to do swim. What's nice is that with your BC, you just got to inflate it and it will keep you at the top, you know? So it's really easy. And like when I learned the first time we went out to the ocean, um, it was near Catalina and they have like a rope that's attached to like a really big buoy. So you actually descend by going on the rope. So you're not. What's a, wait, what's a BC? your buoyancy control device like the little vest that you inflate air from your tank so that's you know when you're at the surface you always inflate so that you don't have to work so the the nice thing about scuba so i am extra with a lot of things i love swimming so i'm underwater like using my arms and (laughs) And that would be me from panicking yeah Yeah, so you don't have to do that with scuba because the point is that you have weights that will help carry you down but you inflate like your bc and that'll just take you right back up if you need to you know so the idea is that when you're on the surface you inflate your bc so you can just float and like yay i'm fine and happy and then when you're ready to sink you just take the air out and you'll slowly go and if you're going too fast you just put a little bit of air in and it'll slow your descent you know and then you can like kind of make it sound like definitely much easier than what I ever pictured. Uh, watch my videos on Instagram. I have two yeah. scoop diving videos. That okay, way. I'll have to watch them. Find them. Yeah. Find them. Yeah. Join. All right, I'll let you. I would love to. Definitely. Wait. I'll talk to you when you guys are done. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Bye. Hey, where's Spencer? You gonna take that? That's so crazy. Okay, yes. I yeah. I would. Hold on. Let me set up something. Okay. Very good. The place we're renting, the door doesn't fully shut, so I have to put a sleeping bag in front of it to keep it shut. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy. I didn't know you did scuba diving. You have a lot of extracurricular activities. Yeah, I try to. I get bored easily, so, yeah. That's kind of why we started this. I was like, what am I doing just working? Like, that doesn't seem like enough fun. Yeah. Well, it's so hard, because I, I was thinking about travel for a long time, even before graduation. 
but I like to do so many things that I acquire so many things. So how can I bring all of my belongings every three months somewhere? <laughs> like that's not possible. It's not. So, it's totally not. <laughs> I battle carry all the time. Like you can't buy that. Like we just don't have room. Yeah. Oh man. That's why we die. got um, the paddle boards we got were st like the inflatable ones just for that reason. Inflatable? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, we want to do so much stuff. I'm like, well, now we have snowshoes and now we have a paddle mm -hmm. board. And we have a tent. I'm like, we, we're running out of room. Dude, that's that's crazy. Like, we have four tents. And we're like, like I don't know what we do with all the stuff that we get. We just have them. I'd say, what do you need four for? I guess one could be well, for winter. Okay. We have one that's a really decently nice big tent. And it has a nice little foyer or whatever that we take if we're car camping. But then okay. we have one that we take it for backpacking because you can't take that because that's too heavy yeah. and big. Now we yeah. have a backpacking tent. And the thing is that I've had all that stuff before we ever dated or got married and he had it before. So now we have four, like, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's complicated. Yeah. We definitely need to make it down because you guys are always doing fun activities and we see them and we're like, that's who we want to hang out with. Do it, do it. Do I keep seeing all your hikes? Your I, I was so jealous of your waterfall hikes in Maine. Oh my gosh! Like, not fair. It was that was you awesome. Were stuck, unable to move, and you guys are like, "Oh, my sixth hike!" And I was like, what? "Huh?" Because it was super locked down there, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, like so. A lot of the hikes and trails were closed. You know, not like some of them actually had like roped off and other places were just don't go here or you'll get a fine you That's know so crazy crazy because i'm like okay whatever who's gonna be out here in the snow like you know i had my spikes and my snowshoes whatever and i happened to post about it which i guess was kind of stupid of me but also whatever it's nature you know and uh one of the girls who is strangely a really big hiker like commented and was like you know maybe i should also say screw it to everyone else and also go hike and i was kind of like okay go ahead like no one's stopping you <laughs> like you live in la in a very busy part of la and you go jogging every single day around people but i can't go hike in nature because covid stop like yeah. enough <laughs> oh because people could still do that you could still jog outside yeah you could still jog outside and walk around but you can't go hike in nature away yeah. from people, you know? So I was like, what, nice. The, uh, whoever it was, the governor or whatever of Maine was literally like, all right, you're supposed to wear a mask or whatever indoors. However, we encourage everyone to get out and hike. And also, if you're in the state during these next few weeks, fishing, you don't have to have a license. And we're like, all right, game on. Awesome. So we went fishing and we hiked and Carrie found that waterfall list. And mm -hmm. uh, she's more the planner. I just get taken on all the trips. But uh, it was awesome. You're the planner. <laughs> I'm the planner. Caesar's like, he wakes up and I'm like, are you ready for a really busy day? He's like, can I just not? I'm like, no, we planned this. I mean, I planned it. You just have to follow along with my plan. <laughs> That's so the same. I'll like wake up on a Saturday tired from the work week. And she's like, okay, we have four waterfalls today. I'm like, how far am I driving you? <laughs> it's going to take forever. Yeah. yeah, like I'll be your chauffeur. I'll sleep in the car while you hike. Have fun. <laughs> One other thing, though, about that waterfall hike. So one of the waterfalls, because in that part of Maine was really rural, and so we didn't have service, and we drove three miles on a dirt road, and we got done with the waterfall hike. It was awesome. Spencer went. I get back to the car. We sit down on the tailgate. I'm like, okay, we're going to have some lunch right here. It's awesome. I look at the tire. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, it's almost completely flat. Let's go. So we just book it out of this three mile dirt road just in case. We get back to the main road, still no service. So I had to bust out the jack, change the tire. And then the next day we found out the spare tire had a flat. So we luckily made it back. But oh my gosh, I was, yeah, it was stressful. But uh, yeah, you guys need an inReach. Wait, what? An inReach. So I've been wanting to get this forever, but it's uh, Garmin. The company Garmin makes like these little satellite. They're not, what? Are they like GPSs, Dave? Like the satellite GPS thing? Yeah. Yeah. So basically you can use a satellite to get your location and you can send text messages via satellite. So you don't need reception. So yeah, they're really nice, but they're like $400. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a Jew. Like, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, with backpacking, I bet that come in handy. No, for sure. So it's kind of nice because I mean, I use all trails like the the app and I will download the different um, maps so I can use them offline if I need to. The thing that sucks is you can't contact anyone. You can just know how to get back to civilization. It won't help you if you're dying, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, they have an SOS feature. Oh, never mind. I guess Altrial has an SOS feature that I didn't know about. Okay, no, the inReach has the SOS feature. But the thing is, that's actually kind of, I think it's inReach. If you hit SOS, like it automatically sends your location to pretty much everyone and everywhere. So they'll send like helicopters, whatever to get you. And if you're not dying, then you're like stuck with a really big bill. Gotcha. So one of my friends said that she accidentally hit the SOS feature on a hike, like it like got hit on her backpack or something. And her boyfriend texts her. He's like, hey, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. He's like, cancel the SOS. And she like went in and canceled it. He's like, dude, that was almost like a $2,000 like call. Like, it's <laughs> like they send everyone. They don't know. Yeah. They don't yeah. know what is wrong, you, you know? snapped a leg and just yeah. laying out there. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, get, get it. Maybe. I don't know. 400 seems like a lot. <laughs> it's this big. It won't take up much space. <laughs> uh, so where you guys are... I don't even know where you're at. You're in Southern California. Loma Still Loma. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Stay local. <laughs> at least you got good weather. Yeah. Dude, 80 degrees, 86 for the last few days. Holy cow. I know. I'm like, summer's here. We woke up, it was, it was like 36 this morning and overcasty. It was nice. That's crazy. All the redwoods. Yeah. So it's been good. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask, mm-hmm. we'll get into a little bit of PT stuff here. We were talking a few weeks ago um, when we started, like, I guess it's a couple months now, but about like uh, some clinic stuff. You're in like a really different setting I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, so my full time is, yeah, but this, so it was weird. Like back in 2018, um, I got, I was trying to get like a per diem and an outpatient and the DOR it was just not something that I wanted to get into that outpatient. Like you were seeing eight patients a day and I mean like an hour, they have eight people come in, sign in the hour. And there's like one PT and one PTA. And I'm like, wait, eight patients a day or eight patients in an hour, an hour, an hour, eight like, patients an was, hour. Yes. It was like every like five, 10 minutes, people were signing in and I was like, eh. and then he's like, all you have to do is build this much. You can't build that. You have to build this. I'm like, but what if I didn't do that? It doesn't matter, Bill. And I was like, and I'm not going to take your offer, like you know? And so I guess his buddy or friend is um, the P- 
PA at this pain clinic in Colton. And he like reached out, I was like, Hey, I heard that, you know, if you want per diem, I'm having this, it's called like a functional pain something program. And I'm looking for like a secondary PT to cover my PT. So I was, at first I was like, okay, that's pretty interesting. So I went in, he kind of explained it to me. They have, it's a 32 week, sorry, 32 day programs, so like six weeks and two days. And each patient, like they refer, cause they're a pain, like strictly a pain clinic. You know, they have like doctors and whatever. And if they feel like they're eligible, like chronic pain, they sent, get sent to the program. We do an eval, obviously, if insurance approves, blah, 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 we see them. But what's really cool about it, so at the time, I didn't take it for a couple of reasons. One, like the way it was explained to me just seemed really messy. Like there's no documentation. You just remember what you did with somebody and you typed in like every 10 days you did a, um, a progress report, you know, which is fine. But coming in to cover someone who's been seeing them for X amount of days and has no official documentation that I can follow and look what they've been doing. I was like, that's going to be really hard. Cause what am I like, if I have to do a progress note, I've only seen them one time, you know, what am I looking at? There's like literally nothing for me to see what they've been doing. So I was kind of like, eh, that's kind of like not for me right now. So I didn't two years later, um, I get a random text from the guy, Hey, are you still looking for like per diem work? And I was like, at first I was like, who is this person? Like I had to go back to like my text messages, like, Oh shoot. Yeah. And so I guess at that time their PT left. And because there's only one person of each discipline, once that discipline is gone, they have to stop the whole program. So the PT left for whatever reason, and they haven't, he hasn't been able to find anyone for months. And he's like, if you're signing on, like we're starting again, I was like, cool. So since it was just me and I could do whatever I wanted with like my treatment plans and documentation and whatever, I decided to take it. And it's really cool. Um, you have, it's five hours every day from eight 30 to one 30. And okay. the first two hours is psych. Um, the second two hours, three days a week is PT. The other two days is OT. Then the, you have about like a 30 minute break. And then the last hour is, um, alternating between meditation and nutrition. Okay. So that's like the program. So when they sign up for it, they're there for 32 days of that program. And you're, um, you're only there on the, the three hours of PT those days. The two hours of PT for the three days. Yeah. Two hours for three days. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, for the most part, you get the chronic pain of, oh my gosh, I can't move because it hurts. Oh my gosh, this thing happened the other day. And you're like, oh, I thought your shoulder hurt. Like, you know, <laughs> so, and at first I'm not going to lie. It was kind of, I was excited, you know, because I kind of liked the skull pans, like pain class. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, it was fun, you know, and it got to the point where we had, like a few patients who were like that, like those difficult, like they're, they're clearly psych rather than true pain. Like huh. they're sure they do have pain, but like, she's like, Oh no, the doctor said I can't lift more than two pounds with this arm, but they're like picking up their giant purse that like is like at least 10 pounds. Like, you know, like five, 10 pounds. I'm like, bro, you see <laughs> the size of your purse right now. Like, no, you know? So it was, it kind of got, I don't know, like it, it, I definitely got a little drained psychologically because I'm like, how I'm I, like, I tried everything I tried. And the, the cool thing about about it is that this one lady 
was the most difficult. And she had started with a PT before. Like she did her two or three weeks with him and then he quit. So she had like a huge gap between her like treatment. And then I picked up when I came in and we finished her last like two, three weeks. But we started for whatever reason, she stopped again and she got approved for another set of 32 days because of the big gap. Uh-huh. You know, they said, well, we can't really tell if it worked because she had like a six a four month gap between her, you know, pro- in between her program. So she got, you know, approved for another like six weeks, which is fine. But what's crazy is that I think towards the end, she, and I would, I got to the point at first, cause I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, she was always like, well, this guy did this with me. This PT did that with me. And I was like, that's cool. I am not that person though. So we're going to do this now, you know? And it took a little bit to transition through, like, I don't care what he did. Like, you know, <laughs> let's do this. Like in a nice way. Yeah. So it got to the point. And what's really nice, because at first it was just her. We had, like, they hadn't approved other patients. So for the first two weeks, it was just her and I. Uh-huh. Um, and then we got other people that had the same type of in- injury, like a back injury, and they were pushing and doing a lot more. And I think she kind of, at first it was just a lot of excuses. Oh, well, I can't do that. I don't know how you're doing it with your back injury, but with my back injury, I can't do that. And then you could, you just, you saw the transition of, well, let me try, you know? Mm. And I was like, nice, excellent. You know, so the more we had like patients come in who were really pushing themselves to do better, mm. um, by the end, you know, she was like doing weights and TheraBand stuff, which before she was like, no, like the first couple of treatments was, I'm not doing anything more than range of motion and range of motion only in what I feel comfortable with, which was like this, like, or that. just freak like, out. Yeah, exactly. And so it was, a, it was really hard. I'm not going to with her specifically. It was really hard because it's like she knew better, especially when COVID hit. Uh-huh. She knew better, like, <laughs> than anybody. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know. So, but it was really nice to see the transition and her like coming back to visit. Because once they're done with the program, they still come to their actual pain doctors to have like their pain, other medications. Which is at that location? At that location, yes. Uh-huh. So they just kind of, she like would poke in and be like, by the way, I did this now. And I'm like, nice, you know. So yeah, sorry, that was totally nonsensical, but. No, that's cool. Cause I feel like uh, at the place I'm at right now <clears throat> in Northern California, it's a regular outpatient, but the type of patient you get is a lot of chronic pain. And that's, that's why when you told us about that clinic, I was like, that's so crazy. Like, that's a good idea because I feel like half the ones I get that are chronic pain, there's so much fear avoidance with movement. And I was like, there's such a huge mental aspect to it. Yeah, totally. So I, was, that was, I was just wondering how that works. So when you get multiple people, how does that work with that clinic? Like, are you, you have multiple going at once? Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's like a group therapy session, except that instead of everyone, okay, think about like concurrent, you don't yeah. do the same thing with everyone, but everyone's there watching each other and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this exercise with you. And the thing, it, this does get a little frustrating. I think I've had the most four people at once. Uh-huh. Um, and what's nice is that they don't all start at the same time. They alternate, which gives me about like a week or so to start somebody. So, you know, I can one-on-one focus on their body mechanics, you know, they're doing things right, whatever. And my, my biggest thing is I, I really try to teach, like educate them on why we're doing what we're doing, because 
once their six weeks is over, if they don't know why they did that, it's not going to help because they're going to go home and be like, meh, you know? So I'm trying to, like, when they do something, I'm like, okay, here's why I asked you to do that. And here's why I told you to do it 10 times and not 30 times, you know? And I really try to spend a lot of time educating so that when I do get more people, they're somewhat independent. Like they know what exercises they have to do and what their body mechanics should be like, you know? And then you go, I kind of alternate and go back and forth and be like, you know, lift your arm or do this, you know, fix that. So it's a little easier. Like it's not cool when everything gets started at the same time, because then you don't have time to really teach each individual. Or we do like a group where, okay, everyone let's watch this person and see that way you can do that you know, on your own and there's mirrors and I love mirrors. I'm like, look at yourself in the mirror. Do you see it? Is that normal? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So I really try to like use whatever I can to make them like really understand what and why and how and all that. But yeah, there's a lot of kinesiophobic people that come in, like, especially with chronic pain. So yeah, that's what, um, that's what I was talking to the last PT, the traveler I took, cause he was like really into the pain science and he was talking to me about the explain pain book and all that different stuff. And do you find, um, like not, you don't want to push them too much into pain. Cause then they obviously get hurt and they fear it more, but like, it's like, okay, here's a little bit, here's a little bit of, you know, soreness. And then you kind of have to tell them like, but look, movement was okay. It doesn't hurt the next day. It's like, almost like you have to teach them like, yes, it's a little sore, but that's, partly your body but partly your mind messing with you because it's like so ingrained right and so that that's a huge part of like my education especially in the beginning um like a lot of these people have not done anything for like at least five to six ten years you know and so i tell like and especially with the young with the younger people i had a girl who i think was like 20 i don't know 23 something she got injured at work in her back and she, when she came in, I did her eval. She was like, well, um, I have not bent down since my injury, like four years ago, nothing, nothing. She's like, if I go to the store and I look for something and it's on the bottom shelf, I will just not get it. She's like, I will go to another store to see if it's on a higher shelf. Holy cow. I'm not kidding. She's like, she's like, I've gone to like four different stores until I found something I needed, or I just don't buy it. She's like, or I make my parents bend down and get it. And I was like, you're 23. Like what? Like, how can you live like that? You know, which sucks. And to them, they do like, this is why it's such a huge psychological thing. Like I'm young. I have the rest of my life and I can't even pick up a can from like a two pound can from the bottom shelf, you know? And so my thing is, you know, some people need the motivation, you know, some people don't need it. Others do. And I'm like, think about it. Like, and sometimes it kind of has to get a little real. I'm like, how old are your parents? You know? let's let's work on a worst case scenario here like what if they pass who's gonna pick up your can for you you know like like this is real like you're 23 you have the rest of your life and you may not have somebody there to help you you know i was like you need to figure it out so i was like if we can't get you there let's find a way to modify so you can do stuff for yourself and not depend on others you know so some people kind of need that like reality check of this cannot continue forever Uh you know and um I also tell like, Hey, your body. Well, so here's the perfect example that I like to use because it happens to me all the time. So I like to talk on the phone. So I talk a lot. This is perfect. Um, that you're and, on a podcast, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So if I hold the phone to my ear for a really long time, like after an hour or two, my elbow gets stupid sore. 
right? And like when I take the phone, I try to stretch on my elbow, like my joint hurts because it's just been in this position for so long. And I, and almost anyone can relate to that because a lot of people talk on the phone. And I'll ask them, I was like, hey, when you talk on the phone for a long time, what do you notice with your arm or your elbow? I'm like, oh my gosh, it hurts. I'm like, right. Does that mean you injured your elbow? Like, no, because I stretch out and it's fine. It's like, right. So take not moving something for two hours and how much it hurts to not moving something for four or five years and then trying to move it. It's obviously going to hurt, but that doesn't mean that you're causing injury to your body. It just means that you're now trying to retrain your body how to do things, right? So they're like, oh, I was like, so don't, I'm not saying blow past every like pain marker you have, but just because you're feeling pain, it doesn't mean that it's bad. And so I was like, just suck it up for, you know, and so I kind of give them a pain number. So I was like, what's your pain at rest before you start doing the exercise? Okay. Four. Cool. I want you to go up to a six, you know, push your pain past a four up to a six and don't go past that, you know? And so they're like, okay. And that's kind of like, you just really need little like baby steps and then, and some people don't even know like, Oh, I don't know how much it hurts. I'm like, okay, we'll start paying attention to that. You know? And they're like, Oh, you know, and, and the more they pay attention, then, and I also tell like the kind of pain. I was like, what kind of pain do you have after a really long day? Oh, like a, a stabbing pain or whatever. I was like, okay, when you do that exercise, is it the same kind of pain or is it just like an achy pain? If it's not the same kind of pain, then you're not causing that injury, right? Like it's just a stretch or sore, you know, you're moving for the first time in like 20 years. <laughs> I like the elbow, the explanation. That's a good one. Yeah. That's what I use. I don't I'm know. amazed that someone could talk on the phone for two hours, but. Well, no, you'd be surprised. Just kidding. <laughs> so how long have you you've been at that clinic? You said since fairly uh, recent. I started at the end of 2019. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. I guess and, I was in 2017. Yeah. So that's not your full-time gig though. No. My full-time is sniff. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. What setting um, when we were in school did you really love? Ortho? So <laughs> I actually really liked the sniff setting, which is really surprising. I loved ortho. So I, I kind of like got a, besides this pain one, an outpatient per diem place so I can keep up with my ortho stuff. Uh-huh. But the reason, okay, this is probably a little, I don't know. The reason I really like sniff is because of the freedom I get at a sniff, you know, like I could not agree more. Uh, <laughs> it's so much better. So yeah, but I love ortho. I love doing like a, a lot of my friends, you know, have like sport injuries and I'm like, ah, yes, you know, and I get really excited about that kind of stuff. But when, you know, at any outpatient that I've done, it's just not the same. You don't have the same time to actually really, get into it, you know, with patients. And because now to obviously like to make for the business to make money, you have to have a bunch of people at once, you know, and I don't like that. I hate that. I want to have one-on-one time with my patient. I want to know that what I'm doing is right. And I don't know. I, yeah. It stresses me out sometimes at outpatient clinics when it's more than one-on-one, because I feel like I can't focus as much, but uh, mm-hmm. I never thought I would like a, a sniff, like literally, no, no way. <laughs> and I did, a, I've done a few probably actually over the three years of our travel, probably actually majority of sniff, but I've been to one where the productivity kind of got to me, but the majority of them, what I love is if you go to outpatient ortho and you have your patient at eight o'clock, 
doesn't matter mentally where you're at. You have a patient and you have to right. be for that patient. But a sniff, yeah. you walk in, you're like, I'm kind of not feeling that great this morning. I'm kind of quiet. I'm going to go to the guy that's a talker. And then like, yes. you're hyped up. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to this one. Like you can pick randomly. Like, oh, I want to see the yeah. wheelchair. I want to get them walking. And then it's just awesome because you can just pick wherever you want to go. It is. It is. It's. I love it. I love it. I love the freedom because you don't have to come in at eight o'clock. You come in when you feel like it. Because and the thing is, I've had patients who've done therapy at five a.m. It's pretty cool. They just like it. They want to be up. Yeah, they're like the early birds. They're up at like four or five in the morning, and nurses are like, ugh, like we can't keep them busy, you know. Which technically they can, but they don't want to. But whatever. That's a whole different story, (laughs) you know. Like, and I get it. And so it's really nice because if I if I know I have a patient who's an early bird and I want to like go out and do something earlier, like later in the day, um, I'll go at five in the morning and I'll see those early bird patients. And I tell them the day before, hey, tomorrow I'm here at five, get ready. And they're like, yes, you know, so I'm done with my eight hour day, like really early. And then I go to Disneyland back when it was open. It's That's awesome. <laughs> but then the next day you can always sleep in and go in late. Yeah, exactly. It's the um, best. I love it. I love that. Like, depending on who your rehab, rehab director is and how the week's going, as long as you're there to do whatever evals come in on Friday, you can usually heavy yeah. in the week. And then Friday's like, I'm out by one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As long as you do your work and you see your patients and you get good results, you know, yep. and that's what's nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love never it. thought that's this my life, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Really it does get frustrating with the dementia patients, like you know, yes, <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when I can leave at two instead of at eight p.m., I'm good, huh? Because in ortho, if you get that, if you get like slammed with a few late uh evals in the day, you're not yeah. leaving at five. No, exactly, no. it's it's rough, but yeah, there was one um in Louisiana that had a a special dementia ward. I don't know if you have one where you're at. Oh yeah. We have a lot of dementia wards in the SNFs. I've, I've been it's- to a lot where they have like some patients with dementia, but like they had like the locked unit and I was like, this is too much for Dude, me. That- zombie. zombie apocalypse is what I feel like it is. It's like the lights are on. Nobody's home. Like at any point in time, somebody can just like bite your neck off. Like legit, you know, like, <laughs> and the door locks behind you. Yes, Yeah. The door locks. You have to like punch in a code and like, let me out. you know, like you can't just, goodbye you know and they usually are just like this yes oh <laughs> uh, so uh, thankfully i was never attacked because i'm always aware of my surroundings but i guess it was like a nurse in one of the dementia wars and i was there i was just like walking with another patient and she went into the room and she was like picking up laundry off the ground and the patient just tackled her just like tackled her and then people are like yelling and i was like let's keep walking this way, you know, like, please don't get excited by the commotion. Like, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So you full-time at a sniff, that's your main thing. Mm -hmm. And then how many hours do you put in at your, uh, six hours a week, unless we have evals, evals are usually like once a month on a Monday and they're like four hours. So and do you find that at your sniff, you're pretty consistently 40 or does it kind of fluctuate? No, it's been pretty bad because of COVID. Honestly, like I have three hours of work tomorrow and I'm full time. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of been a little frustrating because so I used to be per diem for the longest time. Uh-huh. I refused. So I got a full-time job out of 
like when we graduated past boards whatever yeah and then i quit to go to europe for two months <laughs> and then when i came back i was like i'm doing per diem only and that was fun because i could do whatever i wanted with my schedules and most of my per diems were sniffs i did home health i had my outpatient but i mean it was awesome especially because people would want to take vacations i i was per diem at like eight buildings so i always had like full-time work because somebody was always getting sick or going on vacation or whatever yeah. you know and if not i just worked home help and it was fine so i love that and and i guess it's because i didn't really find a building that i really liked for me, enough for me to do full-time at because there's so much politics unfortunately so many the stillness at the yeah in general but especially at the sniff because you have like nursing and if the nursing director isn't good or if the nurses aren't good if people don't get held accountable you know so and being per diem at places was nice because i could scope out to see if i liked the place or not and if it was good and if it wasn't i'm like i'll stay per diem you know so um the boss that i have now my dor he was actually per diem in another building that i work for he was an ot and we'd like work together on the weekends and he became dor and was like hey i need a pt do you want to work so i'm like sure and I got hired in February of last year as per diem. Mm -hmm. And um, like what, a month later, not even a month later, COVID hit. Yeah. And his full-time PT was a little older. So she was like, eh, no, I'm not doing it. So she quit. And he was like, do you want the job? And by then, like, okay, rehab team, really good. And we were really small. There's only, you know, one PT, one PTA, one OT, and one CODA. So really small, but really good rehab team. And that makes a really big difference when Huge. you're, you know, eight hours a day for the rest of your life. So, um, <laughs> so I was like, okay. And he's a good boss, you know, uh -huh. and the building is good, like five star. Um, it's actually called Plymouth the village. So it's a whole, I think like 40 or 80 acres in Redlands that's dedicated just for like senior living. It's independent living assisted living and then we have like a small sniff within it so um because they're really it's actually really interesting i don't know like i don't remember a lot of details but the independent living is not what you would think as in just a big complex that looks like apartments but you have your own place it's actually like little houses you know oh, like wow. little complexes and stuff so that was your independent living and to get into independent living you have to like buy into the company i guess it's weird so you pay it's almost like you're buying a house since it is kind of like a house. You have like two bedroom, three bedroom, whatever you decide to get. And, but you're, once you're in, you're guaranteed a place at assisted living, skilled nursing, long-term if needed or independent. So gotcha. you do pay and like you pay monthly, kind of like a mortgage, but it goes towards that. Uh -huh. And then if you die, like, it's not like it gets passed down to your kids. It just goes back to the company, you know? So it is like, it's expensive. You gotta be, you know, most of the patients there are like either parents of doctors or just are really rich people, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's, but because of that, they take really good care of the residents. So they have, they don't like what's they're not frivolous with money if it's for the residents. So that's why it was really nice because people were being held accountable. You know, nursing was really good. They were getting people up. They were getting people dressed. You know, I wasn't a CNA for most of my job. Like, you know, so it was really nice. <laughs> that's how you know it's a good sniff yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to wipe a single butt today. Like, you know, <laughs> but um, so it was really nice. I was like, you know what? And and what I really like about it, I guess, are the benefits. You get really good benefits. 
And so we're contracted. So I'm not working for Plymouth Village. I'm working for Consonus, which is contracted as a rehab for Plymouth, right? Uh And so Consonus is actually a really good company. Um, You get good, you know, vacation, blah, 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 whatever. But what's really cool is they'll give you $300 a year for your continuing education or whatever. So that's really nice. But on top of that, after you've completed one year of working for them, um, they... I want to say it's $5,000, but every year after that, they give you $5,000 if you want to go like get trained or certified or continue education up to, I think, $20,000 or $25,000, but you only get $5,000 for the year, you know? And so I was like, wow, you know, and I've been wanting to do like my wound care certification and all that stuff. So I was like, this would be really cool to have if I want to like progress for whatever reason and Uh take any special like classes and courses, you know? So I kind of, I, I just jumped on. I was like, yeah, you know what? I like this place. It's good. So I took it and it's honestly been nice. It's been uh-huh. really nice to have the support. Like when people got like the CODA and the PTA ended up getting furloughed uh-huh. at the beginning because we had tanked, you know, yeah. and they, you know, whatever the stimulus package didn't cover, Consonus covered for the rest of their like thing for like, I think three months, four months. It was actually pretty nice. Yeah, so it's really it's a really really good company. They really take care of like their employees. Um, it just sucks the building that it's in because it's a small building. So when we have a census drop, like it drops <laughs> like big time. So it's really been up and down, um, but I'm sticking with it because it's a good company. <laughs> so. I think that's the weirdest part about a sniff is you can be full time, but not work forty hours. Right. It doesn't mean anything. That's You're just true. like, okay, yeah. well, I work exactly. twenty five hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I do the same. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I do the same thing with travel that you were talking about is because you don't know what job's going to be a good one. So I feel like now I have like three or four places. I'm like, I would go back there full time, but I I know very, I know a few that I'm like, no, no, never. (laughs) Not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice for sure. Yeah. That, um, the place you're describing, I just talked to Vanessa, a couple days ago last week uh, we're gonna have her on a podcast coming out soon but she's at a similar place as yours she's at a um it's like an independent living with like a skilled nursing type thing attached and uh mm-hmm. she's she's their dor nice I, yeah. and I was shocked i was like vanessa i was like dang see they're like in colorado and uh we were joking because yeah. she's like now i have to be the boss i was like that's kind of weird Dude, I know. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, dang, if I was the boss, I'd make changes. And then I'm like, but don't really want to, you know, like, and here's the thing that's I've noticed since like we were in school, even like people just don't respect PT's opinions the majority of the time. And it's really frustrating. And I get that some, and there's some DORs that are good DORs and they're good clinicians. But when it comes to like explaining and defending our position they just fall apart i'm like but why like you know like you better and so just and the thing is that like and it's i don't know maybe because i'm not in that position yet like maybe uh-huh. they just want to keep their job and i totally get it but i feel like i'd butt heads a little bit more than most people do and so one thing that so I, I was full-time at richie you know for at first i was there for per diem for a long time in colton and yeah, it's not the best place. But one thing that was, I guess, kind of nice about that, it was 
it was really big. It's like a 150 bed facility or something. Holy it's cow. humongous. Um, and I would 100% recommend for all students to go there because you have a subacute portion and then you have like your rehab, you know, and you have people with trachs and vents. I mean, you see literally everything there, stroke, TBIs, you know, trachs, vents, like everything, wound care. I mean, one day I opened the curtain to say hello to someone, the whole stomach was just like open because they were doing like wound care. And I was like, I can see every layer of like, I can see your fat layer. I can see your muscle layer. I can see, I was like, wow, you know? And so I just kind of like, excuse me, like my magnifying glass, like, can I see this, <laughs> you know? But it's a really, really good place to learn because you see a lot of different conditions. So as a student, I think it's really great because you might not get to see that other places that are smaller. Um, and then you go out into the world and you actually see something crazy. And you're like, I've never done this before, you know? So I think that's really good in that sense. Um, nursing care is not the best. There's a lot of things that are not good about that place, but in that sense, it's good. But what I liked about it, I guess, um, you could be a little bit more assertive because they're, they're contacted with Kaiser. So we get Medicare and other people, but they have a huge Kaiser presence and their doctors are in-house. So they have a little office. And if you want to, you can just have direct access to the doctor, the physicians and be like, hey, this person needs this. Thanks, bye, you know, like, and it's cool, it's nice. Um, but I, it also spoiled me a little bit because you can actually have time to build rapport with the doctor and, you know, you can easily say, please come see this treatment so I can tell you what I'm talking about. And I got used to that. Uh -huh. And, you know, went on vacation, whatever, came back, I was per diem there for a while. And they got a new um, physician, young, so clearly straight out of like school and residency or whatever. And like one of the nurses came in and they're like, oh, who has so-and-so patient? And I was like, oh, I do. And they're like, oh, uh, yeah. So doctor, whatever, wants you to go in um, to tell him about, he has a question about that patient. And I'm surprised. I mean, I guess I'm not really surprised, but I was like, well, he can come and talk to us if he'd like, you know, to ask us a question. Like we're a hundred feet down the hallway, you know? And she was like, oh, okay. And so like he, she left and then a few minutes he came and like asked a question and I was like, hey, I think I'm more than willing to help you. If you need anything, we're right here and you're welcome to come here and ask us. <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, eee, that was fun. Like, you know? You're pushing it right also, there. Like, I am, I really you're am. Pushing it. <laughs> but from then on, I had a really good relationship with that, you know, physician. Because whenever I need something, I go to them and I ask, and that's fine. But yeah. and so if you need something, you're welcome to come to me. Like we can help each other out. It doesn't have to be like, you know, like I'm going to beat you over the head with a stick because I can, you know? So I do I know. feel and like that's something about PT profession um, in general, like even though like now, okay, now it's a DPT. Yeah, that's great. But I still feel like in a lot of settings, it's the MDs there keeping them alive or right. whatever. And it's like, okay, well, PT is just, it's PT, it's nursing. They're doing their right. thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um but in those settings, especially like a skilled nursing, if they're not there long-term, especially if they're not there long-term, I'm, you know, obviously they need to be well, and that's a huge part for the MD, but ultimately it's, it's you and the OT who are getting them home. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think a really big thing that I've noticed, not just with MDs, but also with nursing is that they have no idea what we do. 
Like they just see us walking someone and they're like, wow, you have such an easy job, but they don't see us like in the parallel bars struggling to get somebody up. Right. Like they don't see that. They don't see what we do in the gym. They just see, you know, whatever the people that are can walk and I walk I'm like, oh, you have such an easy job. And I'm like, that's why you call me when someone's on the floor. Right. Cause my job's easy, you know? And so, but they also have no idea. And one thing that's really nice. It's some of the sniffs that I used to work in. They had like physiatrists who are like specific rehab, like MDs, you know, uh-huh. and I've ex- had two of them who were really just would really listen to the therapist, like whatever we said, they're like, I will take it, you know, like whatever. And like, I ended up helping one of them, like rehab his knees after he like had like a meniscus injury. Uh-huh. So we kind of spent a lot of time together and he was like, Oh, I didn't know that you guys are licensed to do that. Or I didn't know you guys know information about this. And I'm like, yes you know and so that that's crazy i'm like yeah that's why we get so frustrated when we say we should do this and like "Eh, you don't know anything and i'm like okay i guess i don't know anything you know so they're like wow that's kind of crazy and same with nurses you know there's some lvns who you know do the wound care and like sometimes i'm like why are you doing that you know and i've actually helped do wound care and they're like Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Like I'm doing like wrapping things and they're like, Oh, I would have never done that. And I'm like, what? Like, why not? Like, you know, and there's, and it's just, it's frustrating because I'm like, all this stuff that we could do if people just gave us the chance, you know, and we're here, like, let's walk, you know? (laughs) Now you said you're looking into wound care. You want to do that as a specialty? I do. I want to, I love wound care. I feel like that's something that's slowly uh, getting lost from PT and like, I know nursing does it too, but I, one of my very first two week rotation was at a hospital and the PT there was a wound care specialist. And I just remember her tapping on someone's sacrum. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's someone's sacrum right there. Just straight up bone. I was like, I don't know if this is for me, but I feel like um, it's a, it's an area that can go either way, nursing or PT. And it's nice that some PTs want to do it because it's kind of nice to keep that in the profession. And a lot of places, if you get that specialty, it's like a hand therapist, you can get hired anywhere. Yeah. The thing is that most SNFs will not allow PTs to do it because yes, it's actually like not in the contract because a nurses get paid less than therapists so why have a pt do it when a nurse can do it for much cheaper you know and b like that means time that we're building for wound care rather than like rehab stuff like exercise and walking whatever and the thing that's kind of frustrating about it is um you know, why not, why not both, right? Like with under Medicare, sometimes you can bill up to 75 minutes, you know, I'll bill for whatever I need for the wound care, because I believe I can get better treatment. I did, although I did hear at some point, like under the new CMS guidelines or something that they were going to start letting um, rehab do or PTs do wound care if under nursing wound care, they didn't progress. I don't I don't know like where that's gone, but one of my buildings was like, that was per diem at was telling me that they were starting to move into that direction. And they knew I was interested in um, the wound care. But I think with COVID, I think I fell through and I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm like, yes, please let us do this. You know, cause I don't know. I just feel like we could, we could do better. We could do more. We could do more anyway. Have you found in specifically the nursing facility Obviously, 
you know, COVID's hit some places pretty hard. However, it's, it's really taken a hit on just general care in the nursing home. I felt like where I was at, like, yes, uh, just like the mental aspect. Vanessa and I were talking about this because I was in a nursing home in Maine and it obviously we ended up getting it there and everything was shut down. And then obviously it kind of worked its way through. But for the people that were still doing well and living there, quarantine, mostly in the room, can't have visitors, you're on lockdown. And I felt bad because we were just talking about the mental aspect of chronic pain. Well, imagine when you're 80 and you have starting to develop dementia and you don't, Mm -hmm. you can't socialize. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, we had people, I had, I want to say like two patients who, when COVID hit and they stopped getting, they never actually got COVID. They were never diagnosed with positive COVID, but because they were stuck in the rooms, you know, couldn't have visitors, they declined to the point that they died. It's insane. And I was like, what? Like, you know, somebody that was on the part B, we would see them for like walking every once in a while, whatever. And, you know, whatever, we exhausted that, they didn't need it anymore, whatever the reason was, they went on RNA for ambulation or sit to stand and it they weren't allowed to leave the room, you know, weren't allowed to see family and that was what was keeping them going, you yeah. know, being able to have those little activities, like our activities department was shut down for a while so they couldn't go somewhere to do something, they were in the room the whole time and they just declined and they just just passing and I was like, wow, that's so sad, you know? So definitely big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So you don't have a third job, right? Just the chronic pain and the skilled nursing. I mean, I still do per diem at a lot of building home health. (laughs) So So how many many hours are you working a week then as a PT on average? Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID? Bro. As much as I wanted, basically, I would do 12 hours a day, every day, if I needed to. Like five days or six days a week? Yeah. More if I needed to. It just, whatever. I felt like working that day because I was working at so many buildings that everyone always needed per diem work. And I'm like, I'll do it, you know? That does kind of help though, I will say, because I feel like when you go to different places, like whenever I switch a contract, I'm like, oh, I feel refreshed as a PT. Like my mind's ready to go. So I feel like per diem would be cool. You get tired after three hours at one or to the next. Yes, totally. I love it. Different people. So you obviously have like friends and connections somewhere else and just bring, it's like by the end of the eight hour day, I love y'all, but I gotta go, you know? So it was the same thing when I go to the next per diem place is the people that I haven't seen in a long time. So it helps me because I'm like, ah, yes, now we can do good together, you know? And then you just sit there documenting for 10 hours and while talking about your life, like, (laughs) you know, so it just nice. It definitely is like you said, like revitalizing and different patients too, you know, like some places are not. So there's some buildings that I've worked in where you have to sign a thing saying that you're not going to lift a patient. Uh And I'm like, I'm a therapist. That is what I do all day long. Like what? What Literally your job. (laughs) Yeah. Like what? So they have all these fancy like equipment. I don't know what it's called. It's, it's like, um, Oh, like a mechanical stand chair thing, but you can transfer people with it. So you get them sitting at the edge of bed, you strap them in, the machine stands them up and you like transfer them. A, in a, a sit to stand lift. I, sometimes it's called like a yeah, Sarah, yeah, Sarah yeah, lift whatever or that's something. Called. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, that's so cool. It's also, I would much rather just stand the person myself because until I get it, I have to make sure it's charged. I have to set them up in it and strap them in. You usually you know? want two also, people. Right. And it's not really like they're not, 
I'm, they're not, it's not functional. They're not doing anything. They're just like, man, lift me, you know? And so I'm like, no, I'm going to make you lift yourself. And if we can't make it, then we'll do sideboard or something. But, you know, so finally he's like, well, it's my job to do that. Like, and it's not going to help them if they don't do it. So, you know, I don't know. So it's, it's different, different equipment. So sometimes it's easier. Other times I'm like, ah, I am a therapist, you know? I'm lifting 350 pounds somehow. I don't know how, but I'm doing it. <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, did you think coming out of school that you would have done uh, two months in Europe and then just per diem, like no permanent gig? No. I, I feel like that's not talked about. Like, it's just, okay, you're going to have a job. You're going to work your 40 hours. You're going to retire at 60 yeah. something. And so, I feel sorry. No, so I knew for sure that I was going to work at a sniff because okay. after my, I was like, yeah, sniff hundred percent, you know, at the time I had like my CI really helped with that because he was doing home health. So he'd show up in the morning, be done at two, go do like two, three hours of home health. And I'll be like, that's a lot of money, you know? So I'm like, I want to do that so I can live life, you know? So <laughs> I, I was like, okay, I could do that, you know? And and I did, I, I did, I went to the same home health company, you know, he referred me, whatever we did, all that. And it was awesome. I loved it. What had happened was though, so we've like my dad uh, traveled and we've traveled as kids, whatever. So I knew that I'd want to travel, but after graduation, um, you know, we went to Romania, we did like a family trip is like my, I guess not really graduation gifts because I paid for some of it, but you know, it was like nice. It was, we were going out as a family and I happened to take two weeks off of just my friend and I to do our own little mini Europe trip. And it changed my life because before that I only traveled with family and it was fun, but it's also family, you know, like it's just different, you know, like I can't be awake till like four in the morning doing stupid stuff so like <laughs> I was like I need to go with friends and I did it was really fun and like I, I'm maybe it's because of my parents or my dad specifically is very old school Romanian communism whatever so in in his mind you're not an adult until you're married kind of thing so like he still had to make decisions for me even though i was like dad i'm like 23 i can make my own decisions he's <laughs> you from, know is he from so, romania yeah yeah like communism romania all that so he's like no you know so it was definitely nice to be in europe for two weeks by myself doing whatever i want i was like freedom at last you know so after that i moved out which actually I didn't move out immediately. I stayed at home because I wanted to save money to go on a Europe trip. I oh. didn't know it was going to be two months long. At the time, I was only planning for, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. And then as time went on, I was like, but I want to see this place and I want to see this place and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I was like, I guess I'll do two months. And the reason I chose two months was because I still had bills to pay and student loans to pay. So I can only save X amount so I can still pay my loans and my bills, whatever, while I'm gone without like working and making any money, you know? So two two months was my limit at that. Um, and yeah, I I knew that my job wouldn't let me go. Oh. I'm not, honestly, like I think back at this, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not the smartest person sometimes. I get to a point where I just don't care anymore. And that's very <laughs> dangerous because like the corporate big boss came down 
And she, like, we're, we're cool. Like, you yeah. know, we talked. And she, like the last time she had to come down, she was saying how she did a study abroad thing. And she loved it. She loved Europe. And she wants to go back, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, I will remember that for when I tell you I'll be gone for a few months. You know? <laughs> so, like, the time came. I told my, my DOR. And I was like, by the way, I'm going to go to Europe. You already were planning this, like, booking it out? Oh, oh I booked my tickets, like, almost six months in advance yeah. i'm sure it went because, over great because um it's way cheaper when you buy it ahead of time uh-huh. and i like for my trip there and back in july i think i spent like 700 dollars. so if you buy way in advance primo time yeah anyway so i i already knew that i was going to be leaving i just didn't tell her yet because uh-huh. it was still, like months away so about um maybe a month or two before I actually left. I told my DOR, I was like, by the way, I'm going to Europe. She's like, that's so cool for how long? And I was like, hey, two months. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, well, you're going to have to tell the big boss when she comes in tomorrow. I was like, okay. And so, you know, I went into the office and I was like, how's it going? She's like, good. I was like, any trips that you have planned lately? She's like, no, but I really want to go back to Spain. I was like, that's cool. Um, by the way, I'm going to go to Europe for two months and she was like Tyra I can't approve that long of vacation time and I was like yeah I, this is me telling you I'm, I'm quitting and going down to Perdium and she was like she was like well you know she's like I'm really mad at you but I'm also really excited for you because I love Europe I was like yes I'm going to Spain I'll get you something back like you know she was like She's like, when I get over getting mad at you, I'm going to like, congrats and have fun, you know? But they really like, they kind of, convi- they were trying to convince me to not go. Uh-huh. And it was like two months and like, please like stay a little bit longer. And I was like, I already booked, like I'm not canceling. And they actually, the legit wanted me to cancel my ticket. I was like, that's not going to happen, but I'm flattered, you know? <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I came back as per diem and everything was fine, you know, not a big deal, but yeah, I was just you know, ready to go. I was ready. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I <laughs> sometimes I get like that. Like right before our first assignment ever, I was like, "Oh no, we're not gonna like. I don't know if we'll do this. I don't know if we'll do it." And finally, I was just like, "Eh, whatever. Yeah. Let's just go." Like I yeah. just get tired of it eventually. I'm like, "No, it's it's time. It's time to cut it and move on." Yeah, yeah. One thing that I've come to realize is that no matter how much a boss or place tells you that they want you, like, it's never like when when it really counts i feel like it doesn't actually like mean for like count for anything you know yeah. like i've had my bosses especially at that place say like oh please like as per dm i'm like hey i really have a max of like two hours like i can't do more because i have to go to other places and they like beg me like please please take more you're like our best pt blah blah, blah. please do it and i was like fine fine i'll take four hours and then i'm like I hate my life because I am super busy, but um, but it's fine. They need help and I want to help them. And my, I'm, I'm a terrible person, but my thing when I was hired as at a per diem place and I first went, I was like, if you make me your number one go-to like call person, I will always say yes. And they're like, all right. And so I would always say yes because I wanted them to keep calling me, you yeah. know? And so I would work a lot, which some days really, really sucked. But it really made like a big difference when, you know, other per diems were low and they were calling me because I always said yes and they knew they could count on me going, you know? So that's that a good way though. Of- that's a good thing for people to know though. Like when they graduate, there's a lot mm-hmm. of, there's a lot of places like that. And I've debated that after travel is 
you don't have to follow the traditional like 40 hour work week. You can literally call if you're in a bigger city, like six different places set up per DM. And I've heard of people doing the same thing where you're always getting 30 to 40 hours and that's high pay compared to regular PT. Yeah. Wait, I was just paying for, you know, insurance on my own. And that was way better than having someone pay me like $10 less than I would as per DM. And they just give me a little bit of money for my like health benefits. You know, I was like, nah, nah. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm young and healthy. I'll be okay. If I die, I die, whatever, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Um, so aside from all that, I want to say, how's married life? Cause we, I'm sorry, we missed everything. Uh, okay. That's the one yeah. downside about travels. We can't be there for things. And like, mm-hmm. ah, we miss so many things like that. And it's so hard. Like we miss birthdays and, and Christmases and holidays, but how was that? Everything, the wedding. No, it was good. So um, I've basically planned two weddings now because my first one got canceled because of COVID. So that was fine. Um, but what sucked is that, and part of me gets it, like the wedding venue didn't tell you ahead of time. I had some friends who were getting married around the same time and they found out like months before their wedding that they needed to cancel. Mm. And I kept reaching out to my venue. I was like, hey, do I need to cancel? Do I need to cancel? And they were like, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. So my birthday is at the end of april mm-hmm. like on my birthday they called and told me that we had to cancel the wedding so i was like yay thanks yeah four weeks you know and so i was like dang that really sucks i was like what are we gonna do in four weeks right like so they were like they were kind of nice about it like well if you want to use like the because it was an outdoor we really wanted an outdoor wedding so we got the venue that was you know, outside. So they're like, if you want to use the outdoor section with a pergola, whatever, so you can do just your ceremony, like a one hour thing with 10 people, like media family, you can do that. So I was like, okay, cool. I was like, let's do that. That was again, a month before the wedding. So this whole time we're like, okay, we're gonna just do a 10 people, whatever with the family and then with immediate family and then a little reception or whatever at my parents house with the extended family like my you know aunts uncles whatever so we had like decided for that um but then i guess part of my extended family was like ah covid no you know so they were like maybe we shouldn't come or what if you're gonna get in trouble what if they call like your neighbors call the cops on you because there's more than 10 people and you don't live together And so they kind of really started panicking and my dad, my parents' house is outside of the banning city limits. So the like highway patrol is, it's their jurisdiction, right? Uh So my dad went to Cabazon, like called the police station or whatever, the highway patrol and asked them and they're like, oh yeah, we're not enforcing any of that. And so my dad, mind you, he wanted me to invite every single person. No, I'm not kidding when we set like a 175% limit, actually before we set the limit officially, he was like, I'm gonna send out a mass email to everyone in my contacts and inviting them to the wedding. And I was like, <laughs> no, you know, no. And he was like, they're probably not gonna come. I was like, but what if they do? Cause he did the same thing at his wedding. He did a destination wedding in Israel back in the day. And he went to his home church in Romania and was like, if anyone wants to come to my wedding and fly to Israel, I will, you know, cover you for your accommodations. He's like, no one's going to come. 80 people showed up. And I'm like, what if that happens again? You know, 
I'm not okay with that because it's not as cheap as it was back then. It's very expensive now. So, you know, he wasn't really happy about the 175 limit. Um, still a big wedding. Huge, huge. And like, we had to cut down from 300 people. Oh, like there's God. so many people that were mad. Like people in my church came up to me and were like, when's your wedding so I can like reserve it? And I was like, you're not invited. And they were like, oh, I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, we just don't have room. You know, we're just very limited. And they're like, oh, like super offended. And I'm like, I definitely I feel like you were probably kind of blunt too. You seem like you just tell it as it is. <laughs> we didn't have room. I'm sorry. <laughs> Like people, yeah. I was like, I parked in to get to church and this lady's like in my window, like, and I was like, hey. So the nice thing is this, actually like, like bless one of my coworkers, I love her so much. She told me, she's like, here's what you have to do. You have three criteria for your like guest list. And if people don't meet all three criteria, they're not invited. And that way you're not playing favorites. And so I told her, I was like, you know, I had three criteria that I was going by. And because like, and the thing is that his dad is a pastor too. And he has three churches. So if we invite everyone from my side we have to invite everyone from his side and that would be like 600 people you know i'm like you're not doing that so i was like we have criteria and that's why and that's what i told him. i was like you just didn't meet all three you know like you haven't talked to me in five years like i don't care though i've known you since we were you know 10 you haven't talked to me in five years like i don't like what do you do i don't even know what you're doing with your life now like do you even know like his name do you know who i'm dating or marrying like if you don't know the name then you're not coming to the wedding like that's kind of how it goes you know so it was a little rough but then my dad heard that oh we're not you know enforcing any of that rule so my dad goes great we can have a wedding and I was like oh boy so two weeks before the wedding we're like cool I guess we have 60 people coming so we had to like choose 60 out of the 175 that we were going to invite rent tables find a caterer, you know, find a person to make a wedding cake, make the decor. And so mind you, this whole time we were like, we're, that's going to be only for the reception. We're still going to have an intimate 10 person wedding, whatever, um, the ceremony at the venue. And then the reception with the 60 people like there, Uh that was still the plan. Um, a week before the wedding, I, emailed the venue and I was like, Hey, just confirming that we're going to be there at this time. Cause when they had initially told us, they said, come whenever you want, we'll have our gardener open the door for you kind of thing. So I was uh-huh. like, cool. so I emailed, just confirmed we're going to come at, you know, two o'clock. So by this time we had already scheduled and booked the videographer, photographer for X amount of hours, since we we're not going to do like a whole day thing. Right. So from time to time, whatever, um, his parents like really wanted to get us a limo. So we like called the limo service. So we scheduled everything before around this time frame, Right. Uh-huh. So I called them and they're like, Oh, well, the person who works like is handling your details, whatever is off until Thursday. So you're going to have to wait till then. I was like, Thursday is three days before the wedding. I need to know now if that's possible. And like, yeah, sorry, you're going to have to wait. So I'm like, okay. And Thursday, like morning-ish, like 10 in the morning, I get a call from the girl saying, oh yeah, you can do it, but it has to be after 4 p.m. And I was like, that doesn't work at all, like at all. And so Thursday before the wedding, we decided that we're going to have the ceremony at the house. So I went and I got my friend's arch from her wedding, got a bunch of fake flowers, like decorated, made a little bouquet to decorate the arch. I'm sure you were a little stressed at that point. Oh, yeah, just a little, just a little. Oh, and that's my so dress. Cool. 
dude, my dress was a whole other story because I took it to the tailor. They didn't even like fix it right. And they tore the beads off of like the straps on the back. So I didn't have a wedding dress until I think the Friday before the wedding or Saturday before the, the wedding. I was like, I have no idea if this will even look good. Like, <laughs> you know, so it was fun, you know, Holy cow. and then, so we, we ended up doing, because we initially weren't going to do a first look. It was just going to be like, haha, here I am while I'm walking down the aisle. And um, because of the whole venue thing, we had to switch everything to where we were going to do a first look. And then, oh, and then my dad was like, great, you're doing it at the house. We can call everyone to come earlier. So we're calling all 60 people, telling them to come, you know, two hours earlier than the original plan so we can have the ceremony and everything. Um, so, whew, yeah. That was Ultimately, your dad was pretty happy then. Oh yeah, he's happy. He's always and here's the thing. I'm not gonna lie, you and Carrie were my inspiration for having a house wedding because your wedding was the best wedding I've ever been to. I loved it. And even before like the whole COVID thing, I was like, we should do it at the house. You know, like we have, you know, land. We have seven months to get people to you know do stuff to it. The thing is, the issue with that was two two issues. One. Um, it's not a landscaped area. There's just a bunch of fruit trees and stuff. So we could have scaped it, but whether it was gonna look the way we wanted it to look like was a very big if, because the section has like red clay. So it's not great for growing things. Gotcha. So I was like, will it actually look nice? Or is it gonna be like, hello, here's, you know, poop, like dog poop, you know, like we've got two dogs, you know? So I was like, was it gonna look good? And number two, as much as my dad says, you can do whatever you want. He really means I have so many suggestions that you're going to have a hard time picking. Like, you know, so I was like, I love my dad, but I also like, you know, like, I don't know, like planning. He has a lot of crazy ideas. Like he wanted, Lord have mercy. He wanted it to be like a gypsy camp. Like he wanted like fire pits with giant pots of like Romanian food cooking. And I was like, like legit, that's what he that's what he told Old us school. we want to do. Like, no, we're not we're not communist Romania anymore. <laughs> people can have people can be happy here, like you know, just America. So, like, <laughs> so <laughs> it's America, like, Dad. Well, I appreciate about our so, wedding. We uh we had a good time at ours. I'm happy you did. Yes, it was awesome. I loved it. So I was like, yeah, we're, we're doing something like that. So it was actually really nice. It was really small, quaint. I was like, Carrie and Tyler would be proud. Like, you know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, a well, lot of things went crazy. A lot. My grandma will, God bless her heart, like got a phone call from my cousin or someone while I was walking down the aisle and she's like, hello, I can't talk right now. And I'm just like, I can't, like, I just started laughing. Like I couldn't even be mad. Like, like it's dead silence. My sister's playing her guitar, singing people are like, Oh, so beautiful. And just my grandma, hello, honey. Yeah. I'm at a wedding. So I can't really talk right now. Can I just call you back later? I was just dying. I was like, I can't, I can't like, you know, it was great. It was great. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, last thing I want to ask you about, because I'm going to have to eat dinner here soon. Yeah. Um, I think you just posted an axe you made or oh, something. Yeah, so did. what are you doing on the side here with woodworking? Because you had a router one day. You were doing a bunch of different cabinets or building something. And now I just saw yeah. a, like a handmade axe. It looks was that, that looks or a hatchet whatever it was but that was amazing and uh, i've always tell carrie 
<laughs> like I'm not super good with like building things, but I hate traveling for the reason that I don't have like a bunch of tools. I can't practice stuff like that. Wow. And uh, some of the stuff at our wedding, we tried to build because one of our good friends is like really good at building stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, what you do looks amazing. Thanks. Like so that looks. Yeah, I just I've always liked making things. I mean, in uh, high school, we had like a life skills class and a portion of that was like woodworking. So I made the cutting board from my mom and stuff. It was just really fun. Um, and like you said, obviously, when you're in school or working or whatever, you don't have time or money to buy the tools to do any of that stuff. Right. Um, so for a, a lot of maybe a couple of years or whatever, after I graduated, I focused on traveling, you know, went to Peru, Costa Rica, whatever Europe, because I just really wanted to get out of there and travel. Also did some things that I've always wanted to do and never got a chance to like snowboarding. I always wanted to get into that. Never had money because tickets are super expensive and boards are expensive. So now that I was working and could afford a lifestyle that I wanted, I started doing that. Um, and I got to the point to, I was like, okay, I've done some traveling and I need to slow down a little bit because it was getting kind of crazy. Um, and I was like, I, I, I get bored easily. I can't, I can't stay in the house. So I wanted to start making things. I also reconnected with my friend from high school, um, who does stuff like that as well. And I, sometimes I let fear get in the way of me trying things like, you know, what if I mess up? And it's really not the what if I mess up is what if I mess up and I spent a lot of money getting things <laughs> and then I'm like, that was useless, you know, <laughs> like things are not cheap. <laughs> so I was like, I could have used that money to travel, you know, so I'm like that that's kind of been keeping me back. So seeing her just try things and make things and she's like, well, I don't know if it look good, but I want to do it. And I was like, OK, so it kind of like really pushed me to just just do it, just start it. And if it doesn't look good, then throw it away, whatever, you know, but like, at least you did it and that's experience for the next time, you know? Yeah. So it's just been a lot of different projects that I thought, and it's never that what you, like what I envisioned. I said, I'm going to start out and I'm going to make this. And like a quarter way through the process, I'm like, hmm, what if I did this instead? And then like, I derail a little bit and I change it and I'm like, okay, at the end it's what I wanted, but it's a lot of different techniques that I use that I wasn't planning on using, you know, but I love it. You know, the, the hatchet was for her actually. Um, I bought the accent. I wish I could say I forged it. I would love to be able to forge metal, but one day, one day, one I'm day, sure. One day. But yeah, I bought that. And um, the original plan was to use my Dremel to like at, to carve into the metal, like the design. Uh -huh. And then I was watching Forged in Fire on Netflix. Um, and I saw like people etching stuff. And I was like, hmm, you know, and I YouTubed how to etch metal cheap cheap ways to etch metal and you just use a battery and like you make leads and you can etch it using a battery so then i was like doing that you know that's it? But yeah that's it but the thing is here's here's the trick that i learned after i did this so i etched it and it worked but i'm like but why is it the same colored steel like you know some etches you see and it's like a darker etch and i was yeah. like why it was just the the it looked nice because you could see that it was carved it was deeper but it was the same color so it didn't have the contrast and i was uh -huh. like that's kind of weird so i did research apparently a dc current will eat away at the metal so you get a deep etch uh -huh. but that's all you're going to get the ac current the alternating current will actually take the metal that it's like eating away and put it back and like back onto the metal and that's why it's darker so to to you know to buy like an AC DC etching tool is like 300, $400. And I was like, <laughs> no. So I used my battery. I bought like a 
40 30 dollar like dc um battery thingy whatever uh -huh. um it's like a little machine this big and i etched it deeper and then i just spray painted it back to black so you can have the contrast but then i also just recently found a youtube video of a guy teaching you how to make the ac dc um etching machine out of like a little adapter that you plug into the wall and i'm gonna have caesar build me one so because <laughs> i'm not an electrical person and he is so he can do that but yeah, it's just really fun. I like I like doing it. So it's something That's that we awesome. to do. You know, we went camping like up in Big Bear, like in the snow last year. And I feel like should I say all these things on 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 record? No, we like made a fire and just got drunk around the campfire, like out in the wilderness. And so we're like, we should do that again and bring axes and hatchets and just hack at things, like you know. <laughs> Like, that'll be fun, you know? So I made her one so we can do it now, you know, live our dream. <laughs> That's cool, though. Camping in the snow is always fun. Yeah, we froze to death, but it was fun. I'm sure. <laughs> you do a lot of stuff. Yeah, so you should come down so we can do them together. I know, I know. That's a, we, um. The story is, we're, why aren't you here already? <laughs> we need to be. You do all the fun stuff. Like we always, um, I mean, you know, I think we follow each other on Instagram. Like we're always trying to get out and hike and do fun stuff, but, uh, yeah, we try and post cool stuff. And then we see you. I'm like, what? She's like, you're snowboarding. Stop. And then now you say you're scuba diving. And then I saw the hatchet. I was like, what the heck do you do? Like you, you work as a PT and you just made a hatchet. I was like, that's something I want to do. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I've very strongly considered just quitting being a PT and doing stuff on the side, but you know, like people don't want to pay for that stuff when it's handmade because it's way more expensive. And like now, you know, my sister was an artist, graphic designer, whatever. And I'm kind of like, no, oh, you charge a lot of money. And now that I'm actually doing it, I'm like, wow, like it takes time and materials and all that stuff. And I was like, now when somebody charges me something insane, like an insane amount for something homemade, I'm like, you know what? That is worth it, you know, because yeah. now I know that it actually really takes that much time and effort and energy, you know. And it's usually and well built. Yeah, it is. And it's different, obviously, when you're when you're a beginner, like I start something like with my router. I was so excited that I got a router and I had envisioned something to do with it. But I've also never used a router before. So it did not turn out the way I wanted it to. And I was like, OK, we're going to do something else. I'm going to just like screw a handle into it or something, you know, but it's fine. Cause now I have some experience. So obviously if you are really good at what you do and you've done it for a long time, it's not as time consuming, you know, what you have to do, how to set it up. And also if you have the space, like I have a small patio that I just like use. I'm like constantly taking that off, putting that on then moving in and putting something else on so I can do it. Cause I don't have the space for it. So it does take me longer. So I'm like, you know what, this is just for fun. Honestly, it's just for fun. Like I love doing it. And maybe one day I'll be like, Hey, I'll make you an ax from scratch. You know, I don't know, whatever, but it's just fun. And I can't sit still. And especially since we haven't been working a lot, and, you know, census is really low. I'm working four hours. I'm like, what do I do for the rest of my day? <laughs> I will say, um, just cause you touched on it. I, I don't know like how many people feel burnout as being a physical therapist, but I definitely feel like when you're going through school, it's just so busy and you get into it and you're like, all right, this is going to be my profession. Now that I'm out, I could definitely see like once loans are paid off. And once I have, like, we have more spending time, I could mm -hmm. easily see myself going the route of, okay, I'm going to do some per DM because I still enjoy parts of it. And right. that'll definitely bring in enough income, but other avenues of like, either making money or hobbies because right. like when we were in Maine, there's 
main fishing guide. So it's like, that sounds so yeah. cool. Like I like PT, but to do a PT halftime and do something like that, or like mm-hmm. you're saying a side hustle of creating like hatchets or something. There's yeah. just a lot of interest I have too. And I mean, you kind of touched on it too. when you said that you don't really think about that when you're in PT school, you know, you don't have you don't time. Have, yeah. And like, you don't really know the options that are out there. You know, I didn't know you had an option of being per diem in a bunch of different places. So you can still live your life. You know, I, yeah. so when, that was one thing that was like, really, I was, I was a little nervous about when I was like, I'm quitting, you know, and my dad was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm gone. Like, you know, so it definitely at first I was like, oh boy, like when I came back, I was like, what am I going to do? But I did a lot of home health when I first came back because I only had that one place as like my per diem and then home health, you know? But one thing I, I, what I really learned, if I'm honest, I have only interviewed for one PT job. After that, it's been like word of mouth, like, hey, she's good, hire her, you know, and then like, we really need help. I'm like, you got it, you know, so it's just really, yeah, and I ended up working for so many like buildings and places and companies you have, especially in this area, you have one company that owns like four buildings within like 20 miles from each other, you know, so because it's a sister company, you have one home building from what you got hired on, but you can go and work at any of the other buildings. Yeah. Um, they need help, you know? So there's just so much that's out there that I'm like, I really wish I knew that, but obviously like you, you learn, you live and learn, you find what's out yeah. there and you find what you like. So it's just, and just different passions. It's so insane what you are willing to explore when you have the time to do it. You know, you never think about, I used to hate the snow. I used to hate it. I hated winters because there was nothing I could do. I couldn't do anything. You know, I couldn't snowboard. I couldn't go hike. I couldn't do anything. And I was like, oh, I hate, I hate the winter. And now I'm like, please don't leave winter. Please no. You know, like we started doing this snow hiking. I really, really want to get into like the Alpine mountaineering where you don't climb like up straight, but you have the whatever, what's it called? The like app so you can like self-arrest and whatever. I really, really want to learn how to do that. Did you see us do it in Maine? I did. That's why I was like, Oh gosh, we were freaking out. Oh man, that looks so (laughs) fun. You know what was crazy? So we went to do that and Carrie like found it. And once we got up there, Carrie's like, I don't know about this. I was like, (laughs) okay, well we're already here. It was one guy and I kid you not, he was like maybe 26, like, Mm super long hair just like a total like chill climber dude it's like okay i'm gonna climb up there i think i'll be safe and i'll hook my rope and then i'll set you guys up i was like i hope you don't fall because yeah. uh i'm just out here on the ice so yeah. it was just us three and he would just belay us as we would climb but that awesome. was insane i uh but aside from that we like the more relaxed snow sports too right. like i love snowshoeing because it's just exhausting and you just walk in deep snow but the ice climbing i would love to do again Dude, did you guys take a class or a lesson before you did that? You just showed no, up? no. We paid for a guide and uh, we drove with him into Acadia National Park in Maine. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, so we did this hike, and there's like a 50 foot sheet of ice that's going up at like a 45 degree angle, if not a little more. And he's like, okay, I'm going to drill in. And I guess supposedly the ice hooks are pretty darn secure, even compared to rocks, like the new system mm-hmm. they have. Yeah. But he just, he hooked us in. He's like, you can't fall, go ahead and climb. And he would just kind of teach us. And that's awesome. That was it. Yeah. I really, so I really want to do that. But what I, another thing I really want to do is where it's like a hike, but 
Like you have the really long axe, so uh-huh. you can self arrest if like you fall. Uh-huh. And there's, are you familiar with Matt Baldy? Like here, I, I know the name, but I don't know. I've never like seen, like paid attention to where it's at. Yeah, so you can like it's a really it's a huge hit for hiking during the summer. Um, it's a pretty difficult hike, but in the winter time, because you can get it's called the Devil's Backbone. Mm-hmm. It's like a really steep, narrow climb up to the summit. So during the winter, that's really not recommended because you could die a lot. A few people die every year from it when they do it. So there's a, a longer way around that's not as dangerous. But what's really cool is that you have like the peak here. This is the other way around. And you have what's called the the Mount Baldy Bowl. So in the wintertime, it's just like snow and ice. And it's not vertical. So you don't have to like legit climb like that. But it's fairly steep. So you need the what are they called? Not, not the micro spikes, the, the crampons. Yes. You the, the, cramp- crampons the legit ones the, that stick into ice. Yeah. Yeah. And then the big apps so that you can like legit actually like, you know, hike up that way. And I really want to do it, but you need to know like basic safety, like how to use a crampon to self arrest. And like, I don't know what self, like all, all I know is that you throw yourself on the ax to like stop yourself from falling or something, you know? And so there's this, um, company whatever where they teach that at mount shasta like every winter uh-huh. um and i really want to oh do so it. you're coming up to mount shasta huh i was thinking about it are you guys want to come down and do my, it my sister-in-law lives in Reading. you can get from her apartment to shasta in an hour or less Dude, are you guys gonna meet us there for a weekend one day climbing trip no you seriously can... like i need to know because i'm gonna book today <laughs> If you say yes. <laughs> Hold on. What do you mean one day climbing trip to like do so, this educational yeah, so, thing? Yeah. So it's an educational. It's a whole day and you go up. They teach you the whole day. Basically safety, like what to watch out for when you're like hiking in the snow, how to use your crampons, how to self-arrest with the axe, how to watch out for avalanches and how to like know. It's, I'll send you the link to it. Send me the link on, <laughs> on my phone, either Instagram or through text if you have my number. And uh, I will talk to Carrie. Once we end this, we'll so talk the reason to Carrie real quick. Saying, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, after after we're, done, after we're done. After we're done. Okay. Yeah, no, so it's um it's actually really cool because if you they have set weekends where they just take people. But if you want your own group, you can choose whatever date, and the more people you have, the cheaper it is, you know? So you're down. I'm so down. Okay. We'll talk to Carrie. The other thing we might do is um we might try and snowshoe in Mount Lassen. Oh, that, that be sounds pretty awesome. Cool. But yeah. that sounds interesting. If you're already playing, so you might come up literally this winter to Shasta. Yes. Yes. I just need to find people to do it with. I'll talk to Carrie. Either way, maybe <laughs> we'll see you if you make your drive up here or the flight or whatever yeah, you're going to do. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Crazy. Gonna Crazy. That's <laughs> yeah. a far drive. Also, one last thing that I want to extend as an offer to you. Uh-huh. Um, we just recently bought a boat and we're trying to do a bunch of Catalina trips out there for like scuba diving and stuff. You, so hold on. You two bought a boat? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to take your boat from what? Long Beach to Catalina area. Yeah. Carrie would literally die to do that. She would, that'd be amazing. She yeah, might not even so scuba, we, but just to be on a boat. Yeah. No. So what's really cool is that the more people like, I guess the better in the sense that, so we made a mistake. Well, it wasn't, it was a great experience. One of my PT friends, like her and a few of her buddies bought like a big 76 trawler back in the day. So they kind of all shared and they select weekends to take it out. So in September, she took it out for two week 
two weeks and one weekend we kind of met her there. So it's really nice because Catalina is, I love Catalina, but you just moor your boat and you can take a little dinghy to the docks, to the city, whatever you want to do. And we slept on the boat. Um, and since we had our own gear, we all we had to do is like rent the tanks. The thing is that this is a very small dinghy. So trying to fit two people with full scuba gear and a driver on a tiny, like, I want to say maybe an eight foot dinghy, like it was not big. It was like, wow, this is not comfortable. But the thing is that she like rode us out to our dive spot and we jumped in and then she left because she had to go pick up other people, which is not ideal for a scuba diving because A, what if something happens? Like you have a malfunctioning gear, whatever you come back to the surface, the current will take you, you know, which yeah. it did a couple of times and that wasn't safe. But also what if there's a shark attack? Like you always want to have somebody there. So that wasn't very smart. Sounds sketchy. But the second, yeah, the second place that we went to, you know, same thing. She kind of like brought a bunch of people and then they tied like the dinghy to a little to kelp because it has like huge kelp forests and they're strong enough to really hold like a tiny dinghy and they snorkeled on the surface while we were like diving under them and so it's cool so it's kind of nice to have people that are willing to either stay on the boat or snorkel because uh, other people can dive and there's somebody like watching the boat and being with the boat in case something happens and need to jump in and do something so if so, i go no one's gonna like that that lady's not coming where she's just gonna leave me in the ocean right Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. So, so the pool we got, it's a, it's a speedboat, but it's a deep haul. So it's like better for like ocean rather than like a narrow, shallow haul. Um, so it totally should be fine. You, you haven't take done it that, Oh, you haven't taken it all the way to no, Catalina. We, we literally bought it last week, I think. Yeah. So it's kind of new. So we're gonna, we're, I think we're planning our first Catalina trip in March because we're doing a lot in February. So March. Okay. So okay we'll see what happens um yeah, it'll be fun i'll have to talk to carrie um yeah and if you guys like camp camp out there like ride the boat there camp at catalina you know and ride back that'd be awesome what do you do with your dog um i take him with me okay yeah well um i appreciate you coming on i'll when we yeah. end this i'll go grab carrie but it's yeah. been great um that gives me <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. No, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the Road Tripping PT podcast. If you want to follow along with our adventures, learn more about travel therapy, or just get in touch, you can find us on Instagram or on our Facebook page at Road Tripping PT. Hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next time.